0: Hello and welcome to Brain trust Live number 439.
1: This week on the podcast, somehow the entire executive branch is a part of the, quote, small minority of people who experience Paxlovid rebound. But don't worry, we have the tools.
0: Plus, former New York City mayoral candidate Andrew Yang is inexplicably teaming up with New York's public enemy number one.
1: And John Fetterman is trolling his way to the top of the polls.
0: Plus, the call for climate reform is literally coming from inside the house.
1: And Manchin and Schumer pull a fast one on Mitch McConnell, and the political blowback is wild.
0: Plus, the January 6th season finale was viewed by all and specifically not enjoyed by Josh Hawley. And
1: MedBeds, their 2022's best conspiracy theory.
0: We'll have all this and more.
1: This is Brain Trust Live. Hey y'all, I'm Brent.
0: I'm Lila and you can find us on the web at www.braintrustlive.com. That's
1: right. Didn't laugh
0: once. Made it through the whole thing.
1: We're really getting somewhere. Didn't make
0: eye contact with you on purpose. Great. Um, By the way, before we get in to the podcast, I have a new podcast that's coming out that is not Braintrust Live that you could listen to in addition to Brain Trust Live. I wouldn't recommend replacing Baintra- Brain Trust Live with it because <laughs> no. it's a different thing. Yeah. Um, but it's called What Can I Do? It launches on August 10th. Um, Kelly-Therese Pollock, who used to host uh, Two Broads Talking Politics and now hosts Unsung History, co-hosts it with me. And basically we talk to activists about, like, what the actual like mechanics of their job and their work have entailed. So instead of worrying about why you should support their cause or what, you know, what we need to know about their cause, we're gonna talk to them about what you can actually do to make political change. It seems like in this time of many crises, people seem a little <laughs> yeah. lost because Republic I mean Republicans, Democrats just keep shouting vote at us and <laughs> right. then they fundraise and then it's just like, well you should just vote and give us money and it's like what what if we wanted something to actually change but what can I do right but what can you do
1: (laughs) yeah there's a trailer for it out you can listen to it
0: that's right I'm Um,
1: in it so I'm still involved guys don't worry yeah Brent's still involved in case you were concerned
0: (laughs) it's we're at whatcanidopodcast.com we're at whatcanidopod on twitter go follow us subscribe we are going to be launching on August 10th like I said and we should have an exciting season after that lots of exciting activists coming on so you know if you aren't sick of us by the end of this podcast and why would you be (laughs) Um,
1: I hope you're not, because I'm looking for a second podcast now to be a part of. Obviously. I just told Lila before we started. Yeah,
0: I think, as everyone should be. You can't have more than me. Well, no, obviously not. We're only children, and we would never stand for any one of us winning. (laughs) No. Um, But in any case, keep an eye out for that. We'll be posting about that as well from our account, just to get everyone in the fold. Um, But let's talk about the news. Let's do it. First of all, Joe Biden has COVID again. (laughs) And let me tell you what's going on, you guys. Paxlovid has especially it seems like in old people a pretty (laughs) frequent (laughs) tendency to just like not fully work so for like a few days you test negative for covid and you're like we did it we vanquished covid (laughs) right and then just comes back as an
1: 80 year old he should have known that testing negative after what was it six or seven days i think wasn't it
0: no 80 year olds are testing positive for like 14 days minimum yeah we're, we were testing positive for 14 me. days. <laughs> I'm you know. half his age. Yeah. I no, I you know. tested positive for 14 days as well. I Like, this is not actually how COVID is. And the way that we know that is the same thing happened to Dr. Fauci. I know. And I love that Biden, in his comments about this, said that this happens to a small minority of people. And I was like, it's literally every example that we have, <laughs> this has happened. Everybody in government who has any right. authority the about two COVID. The people that
1: we knew were on Paxlovid.
0: <laughs> right. Have all had the Paxlovid rebound. It's... It's like, you know, there was a there was a doctor, and I can't remember his name, but he was one of those people that was sort of like, you know advising us to let go of some of our mitigations. Yeah, And then his wife got COVID. And first of all, he tweeted about how they had a real tough choice to make about whether she should still fly home with COVID. And everyone was like, you're a fucking doctor. (laughs) Are you serious? So they decide not to. And then she has a Paxlovid rebound and gets quite sick after the rebound. And he was like, you guys, this is really serious. And everyone was like, yes. Yes, it is.
1: Yeah. My favorite part about all of this, which is awful on many fronts. Oh, sure. But is that they are just making up all of the rules and then claiming that they are going by CDC guidelines. Too they, true. They are doing any old, and look, that's what we're all doing. But,
0: well, there's no real guidance, <laughs> I, so it's what you right.
1: have to do. But I mean, they did, went against the guidance about like how long he needed to quarantine. They went against the actual CDC guidance. That, but meanwhile, all the while, it's saying that they're following CDC guidance. Well, they, of course. They made him test out of it, which is not CDC guidance. They also, when he tested out of it, they were like, we're going to keep him masked for the full ten days, right, and then they didn't. Which is, by was, the way,
0: CDC guidance.
1: Which, it, which is so they didn't do that. And no, then so they, they didn't. And, do then, it. and then they got they got called out for it because he had a meeting where he was photographed like unmasked with a bunch of people in the time where he was like the two <laughs> days where he was testing negative, and so then he got a bunch of shit after he tested positive for it, and they released a statement where they were like, "Well, we're following CDC guidelines, and we um." we were at um safe distances from everyone. That's not C D C guidance. So nope. they made that up. They're literally making up anything I mean, that fits whatever they just decide they want to do on any given day. And I say, let's all, let's all just do that. Well that's what we're all doing anyway. So but they're, just, they're just they're doing they're but doing the what I- America but The doing. idea that they're out here being like, we're following the science, we're following the C D C guidelines. No. no, you're making it you're making it up as you go.
0: They <laughs> Caught this case because they weren't following CDC guidance, by the way, because they were testing regularly. So already that was a protection, a layer of protection the rest of Americans do not have access to. But then, I mean, the very first day he was sick, he was photographed in his office, quote unquote, working away without a mask on. And everyone was like, friend, a photographer was in there with you. And he was like, well, the photographer was masked
1: yeah that's not how masking works no No wonder we're all confused and then the next day he was masked when he got photographed
0: yeah well i they got so much blowback from that that he had to basically they basically only released that photograph as a proof of life image (laughs) and they did that knowing that they were going to get the same blowback if they didn't do it and then the third day he was outdoors uh yeah uh, hanging out with his dog giving his dog covid yeah (laughs) the dog probably was keeping everyone at six feet because apparently the dog's not very friendly Oh, yeah, that's, that's the dog right. that's been attacking people, that's isn't it? People. Yeah. Maybe. yeah. Or secret know. service agents. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it doesn't sound great. <laughs> the point is that the president, like so many boomers, has been <laughs> patently unable to follow any meaningful guidance. This is something that people are telling me. That People are having this issue with their parents really frequently. I feel like my whole family is asthmatic. Oh, yeah. I'm not having quite this level of difficulty with my parents because we yeah. all have terrible lungs. But, like, so many people have told me that their parents have just basically given up on... Oh, well, and I told you... I, oh, yeah. I,
1: I flew this week. Right. I made it, him wear funny goggles. I was happy to wear them. Um, but, yeah, I was, you know, I was, like, looking for places in the airport to, like, sit safely because, yeah. obviously, nobody's... And, and LAX, is supposed to be wearing them because I know, that's a that's transit still, hub, right? Mm-hmm. and that's Yeah, they've had the mask mandate
0: in place to... the whole time.
1: Nobody's wearing them. Of course not. They're making <laughs> announcements on the,
0: you know, on the inter- intercom to wear,
1: to wear a mask and nobody flinches. So, but... If you were looking for a masked person in LAX, you're looking for people who are under the age of 40. That's right. Because anyone over the age of 40, certainly anyone over the age of 60, just trying to die at LAX. That's right. Yeah.
0: Trying to cough on as many people as possible. Trying to be coughed on by as many people. And who is most likely to be coughing randomly around in an airport? It's old people. Old people. Yeah. I mean, they're the people that are most likely to spread and receive COVID germs. So yeah. like
1: well, and they're doing
0: it and they are they've taken that responsibility quite seriously. <laughs> yeah. But in any case, <clears throat> you guys get good quality masks. Another <laughs> battle that we've been fighting over here is trying to get people we know to suffering surgical masks. Oh, I know that time is over. Yeah, it's I time know. you got to get an N95 or yeah, at least a kn K95. You got to live your life a little bit better than that. <laughs> That's all I can say. Yeah, I um, in any case, pandem- pandemic number two. <laughs> Let's yeah. talk about monkeypox. <laughs> yeah. That's also everywhere. Not oh, as airborne as COVID, luckily.
1: Or is it? We or are, is it? We no. don't know.
0: That's true. <laughs> we don't know anything. New York State declared a state of emergency. Yeah, city of San Francisco um, did as San well. And San Francisco did, yeah. yeah, as well. And that's probably because we don't actually have enough vaccines for monkeypox. There's, there's like
1: one Danish company that makes it or something right. like and that. We and we don't like expect ramped. to
0: get more until like October. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, that's probably... Be, I'm also like, this is one of those things where if you came here from another country, you had to get a smallpox vaccine. Like if, you move, you know, if you're an immigrant, yeah, yeah, if you yeah. move here from another country, you have to get a smallpox vaccine. And so it's only those of us who've been stuck in this cesspool our whole lives that aren't protected at all from monkeypox. <laughs> right. Because anyone who moved here from someone else has a smallpox vaccine, yeah. but they stopped giving them at a certain year uh, to Americans. And so we're just out here unprotected from a very preventable disease. Yeah. We could fully be preventing this if we just had vaccines. Yeah, it seems that's like right. someone could have wondered if maybe they would need a stockpile of smallpox vaccines at some point. Apparently no one did. No. Um.
1: And especially, and they still don't even really think so, because it's only the gays that are getting it. That's right, yeah. Which they're is kind not of actually like, true, by the way.
0: Well, and that's the, there was a big conversation this week happening on Twitter where everyone had to be like, you guys, monkeypox is not an STI. Like, right. just because currently the gay community is having an outbreak does not mean that that's how it stays forever. Yeah.
1: Well, and it's like you said, too. They're also... It's, it's impossible to really get tested if you're not a gay man. right? No, exactly. <laughs> so, so if you're
0: like a woman who walks into a hospital and is like, I have monkeypox, they're like, no, you don't. Bye. <laughs> and so like how we don't have the data to prove it's anybody else because we're not looking for it. Right.
1: Because we're only testing and treating gays. Exactly. Which brings me to another point Which brings that Brian I've to another point. an issue with. Because while I understand there's a limited amount of vaccine, so you do sort of like you want to give it to the, the population yep. that is like, you know, most, most in, impacted, in, most impacted for sure. So I get it. But, you know, at least in Los Angeles, and I can't speak to San Francisco or in New York, but, you know, there's a lot of requirements for you to be able to get it. And certainly it's if you're, um, you know, a, a sleeping with other men. Right. If you have been to a sex club or a bathhouse, if you've had sex hmm. with multiple partners. But one of the other things that allows you to be able to get it is if you're on PrEP. Right. And I get that. True. Sure. Right? But... <clears throat> As a person who is not in PrEP, but is on medication for HIV, I do not qualify to go get it. It's so wild. <laughs> because I'm not in PrEP.
0: It's... Well, you can't be. <laughs> I
1: it's cannot too late. be. It's too, it's too late. That's, it didn't exist. Right. <laughs> That's, Sadly.
0: That... <clears throat> like, the the way that we have had to, like, qualify out what kinds of experiences even among gay men qualify you to be at risk or not at risk, because they don't know what your life is.
1: I know. Well, and obviously all of those, you know, it's being treated sort of as if it's an STI, and that's just because it's mostly skin-to-skin content, right? right? And so, like, obviously all of those, all, you know, all of those requirements are, are code for, you know, <laughs> being slutty around <laughs> right. town, basically. And it's like... I might be slutty around town. They don't
0: know your life. <laughs> right. They don't know what's going to happen. I want the damn monkeypox
1: vaccine. I'm like, not sledding around town. But that's but not like... their business. <laughs> it's not their business.
0: <laughs> also, I feel like we should not be only protecting people who are sledding around town. Just because you're not making those life choices doesn't mean your life's not valuable.
1: <laughs> yeah. It just, so let's get some more vaccines, guys.
0: It's, like We need tests. We need vaccines. Like All of the things that you would think would help us combat something of this nature, a pandemic, like something we maybe have experience with from the last <laughs> right, few years, right. are not really being done here. And instead, we're very late in the game, like, I wonder if this is an emergency. <laughs> right. It's
1: an emergency. <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's an emergency. Officially. It's a state of emergency. Right. We've declared it as it's such. It's been
0: declared. So. And, and and I think the WHO also declared it a yeah, state of emergency. Did. Yeah, for So sure. it's So we're in quite emergent times, is the point. And yeah. it seems like now is the time to really be thinking on our feet about what <laughs> we could do proactively to yeah. stem this. Because you guys... One way that we're, and there's also like a ton of like parenting groups that are like, I wonder what all this pox, these pox things that are on my kids oh, are. I know. Because when they're about to go back to school. It's, kids are about to go back to school. And that's when we're going to find out it's not just gay men who have <laughs> monkey pox.
1: Exactly.
0: Um, and I also, you know, I think that we have to remember, people of our age have to remember, that chicken pox has basically been eradicated. So these kids are not presenting with chicken pox. Kids are not used to having pox right now. They're not oh, yeah, children right. poxes There's that, right. We all on. had pox. We all think, of oursel- <laughs> think to ourselves like, oh, yes, children getting pox all over the place because we all had to go to pox parties where people were making us get the chicken pox from our friends. That's not the life that children are leading right now. Yeah. So it is actually weird if there is a pox outbreak in your daycare group. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. I had forgotten about that. And then Same. someone reminded me. And then I was like, oh, right. They don't have the chicken pox anymore. Hmm. We're over it. We did it. Not for me, sadly. (laughs) Not for Brent. But but for young... For the the kids. Yeah. Also, before we get into the real news...
1: Oh, this this, is real news. This
0: is real news, but it's also news... I wanted to include it in the sort of top roundup because it's both real news and also ridiculous news. (laughs) And I think it ultimately is meaningless news. Yeah. Which is that... Andrew Yang and Christy Todd Whitman and a bunch of Republicans, basically, yeah. have teamed up to, for- to form a new political party that has no platform or agenda, <laughs> that is just marketing itself as a, quote, centrist party, but doesn't have any issues that <laughs> it focuses know. on. And when they were asked about this on Twitter, it was like, well, what do you mean we don't have issues? We didn't- we're didn't. we not here to have issues. We're here to represent a different way. Is that way having no issues? The way-, the way that they're here to represent is having no issues. And Mike,
1: a centrist party that represents no issues is... That's that's the ruling party that we currently the, have. Right, we, right It's that's called the Party. Well, it's both parties, but I mean, certainly,
0: like that, you know, wait, that's who's been representing everyone since the dawn of time. I know,
1: they're just they're just throwing. It's reinventing logs the on wheel the over here. here. <laughs>
0: yeah. In any case, a few thoughts on this. One, Andrew Yang. Literally ran for mayor of New York City, trying to position himself as someone who knows New York inside out. Now, during his campaign, we learned that wasn't true. Sure. Um, but nothing has painted that picture quite well, as Time clearly. Square. He angry. does love Times Square, <laughs> and it, remember his bodega was like a really fancy deli.
1: Oh yeah, remember, did you say? Oh, he didn't At least he didn't call it uh, Bogota.
0: a bodega. A <laughs> bodega any case, if there was ever a piece of irrefutable evidence that Andrew Yang doesn't know jack shit about New York City, it's the fact that he's teaming up with public enemy number one, Christy Todd Whitman. <laughs> right. There is nobody who has been more antagonistic to the health and well-being of New Yorkers than the person yeah. that sent us all downtown after 9-11, famously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that already calls into question anything that Andrew Yang claims about representing anywhere having to do with New York. Yeah. But also... I want to be clear because I don't think I think they're being purposely not clear about this in the forward party. This is a centrist Republican party. It is not a democrat it's not a centrist party yeah. in the center. It's not a left partly left leaning party that has some progressive uh, has some Republican policies like this is a this is a party founded by Republicans for Republicans it's Republicans and Andrew Yang who are in this party and Andrew Yang's not not a Republican he's just like nothing
1: well right you know I was thinking about this well there's a few things that strike me as interesting about this because like for them for Andrew Yang to be sort of the head of a party that doesn't have a platform is interesting because like he really sort of like came to be a person that anyone cared about in the first place by really sort of like having a very specific platform now it was a single issue platform essentially I mean, right. he would probably argue that he wasn't a single issue candidate. Well, he would say mean, that, like, but he'd be wrong. But he would be wrong, right? I mean, like he's a person who like be- became famous because he stood for one specific thing, yeah. and so now he's decided to start a political party where he very specifically stands for no things. No. So that's an interesting. That's an interesting um, career track. I, I feel like that he's on he's right now. He's been <laughs> on <laughs> an interesting career
0: track. So but
1: then, additionally, though, I think you're right because both in his race for mayor, and then also, you know, when pressed on a lot of other issues in the yeah. Democratic primary, we came to find out that maybe he wasn't quite as progressive as a lot of people thought yeah. he was when we were like, ooh, UBI. Exactly. Right? So, like, this is not a person who, like, while maybe he does want to send you a monthly check, is not a person, he, you know, he also wants to, you know, he's not great on immigration, you know? I mean, that yeah. was one of the things we were right, He famously. wasn't great on healthcare. He wasn't, you know, I mean, like, there were a lot of things that, like, he really probably is in agreement with Christine Todd Whitman on more than a lot of things. So, like, it's not surprising well, and with that... The
0: other, the other people that formed this party with him are the Renew America movement, yeah. which is a bunch of former officials from the Reagan, Bush 1, Bush 2, and Trump administrations. Yeah. The, party for, the forward party, which was Andrew Yang's attempt to start a party before all of yeah. this. And that had his platform. Yeah. Um, and the Serve America movement, which was founded by a Republican congressman and theoretically includes some Democrats and independents, but it's basically a centrist Republican movement. Yeah. Um, and they're, to be fair, they do have some priorities. <laughs> they list them on their website as free people, thriving communities, and vibrant democracy. Mm. So they don't stand for nothing. <laughs> they stand <Ooh>. for everything. <laughs> <laughs> And in in standing for everything, they stand (laughs) for nothing.
1: Yeah. Um, Um, I looked at both Renew American Movement and Serve American Movement on Twitter, and you, dear listener, probably have as many Twitter followers as both of those movements They're not real things. (laughs) No, they're not real things. They They do have logos. They made made a really big deal out of this announcement. And I I get it. Look, if you're trying to start something, you try and make a a news story, right? But I mean, like, this is not. This is not a thing. It's not a real thing. (laughs) It's not a real thing. No,
0: and it's going to be, continue to not be a real thing if it can't have any platform points. Yeah. Well, that's
1: the thing. I mean, I think they keep touting, you know, I I follow Andrew Yang on Twitter, and he keeps talking about, like, the amount of people who are looking for a a third party. He's not wrong. And he's not wrong, but they're not looking for the same additional party.
0: Well, also, they're not looking for a party whose basic platform is, like, having ideas is a good idea. Like, (laughs) literally, they're in their press release it says that their platform is to reinvigorate a fair flourishing economy and give Americans more choices in elections, more confidence in government that works and more say in our future. That's like starting a political party to start a political party. Like <laughs> their their platform is to start a political party. Yeah. This sounds like it was written by Selena Meyer.
1: <laughs> it does.
0: It's, it's the exact kind of nonsense speak that Build Back Better makes me think of, which is how I know that it doesn't actually serve a purpose because we already have a party that can say nothing using lots of words. <laughs> right. In any case, uh, let's talk about elections.
1: <clears throat> let's do it.
0: One thing that the Forward Party is not involved in. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. oh, yeah, are they going to have ballot access?
0: Um, I think that they are planning to have ballot access by like. 20, 38, or 30, or something like that. They have, like, <laughs> yeah. I think they are, they're they planning to have ballot access in eight years in certain markets. I, oh. There's, They had a plan for that, but it was a plan that was just like, look for us on the ballot. <laughs> it, was, it was like their platform, pretty light on details. So
1: I'm not oh, really man. sure. Yeah. Um, this John Fetterman and Dr. Oz race in does. Pennsylvania is a true delight in every single solitary way. First off, follow both of those two on Twitter. Immediately, yeah. if you want to see... Some of the world's great trolling. Yes. I mean, John, we found out this week that John Fetterman is ahead by, like, 11 points in the latest <laughs> polling. And, like, so much so that the, like, NRSC is, like, talking about, like, pulling money out of that race, which well, is currently held by a Republican, right? Yeah, no, because that's Pat, yeah, Pat yeah, no,
0: seat. That's Pat seat.
1: And, and John Fetterman hasn't had a public event since May.
0: No, John Fetterman's <laughs> just been recovering from his stroke at home, basically. And, and- just
1: mercilessly dragging Dr. Oz on Twitter. For just, I mean, just
0: for being from New Jersey, by the way. Just for being from
1: New Jersey, yeah. Barely
0: There's, on anything else.
1: <laughs> I know. But, like, just, it has been so, so, so good. Like, right now, he's, like, doing a huge drive on Twitter to get Dr. Oz inducted into the New Jersey Hall of Fame. <laughs> and he's enlisted, like, Snooky and various that's, other, like, New Jersey people. And then, like, Dr. Oz was, like... Uh, uh complaining about like what gas prices were and Fetterman was like you're from New Jersey you don't even know how to pump your own <laughs> gas and but there's like been other trolling too there was a hilarious one where like Dr. Oz like put out some graphic where like John Fetterman's face was like in the lost logo because he hasn't been campaigning or whatever right. and like Dr. Oz like did a um <laughs> like one of those like cheesy responses where it's like graphic design is my passion <laughs> like <laughs> and John uh, Fetterman did, the John Fetterman did yeah. that like to the uh, because the The Oz thing looked like it had been made by a kindergartner. I mean, like, all he is... He's winning right now just by highlighting that Dr. Oz is an idiot from New Jersey.
0: Yeah, which I feel like... Maybe somebody
1: could have seen coming, potentially.
0: (laughs) I was going to say, I feel like this is an area that I'm actually excited to see Dr. Oz getting beat in. Because Dr. Oz is a celebrity, and so this sort of, like troll, like I expected him to be useless on the issues because like... Right.
1: But maybe be okay, at, like, but maybe the, be okay at this public part of this. And
0: right, I love yeah, that exactly. Fetterman was just like, we're going to take him on his own game. He's yeah. the celebrity and we're just going to fucking troll him into the ground. Yeah. And that is what he's winning on. Yeah, exactly. Like he has not had to campaign <clears throat> on any single issue because Nothing. everyone already knows what the issues are in this campaign. Yeah. Fetterman is known to the state. He's already been elected to statewide office. People like him. People like him. He already won the primary. They already know what his platform is. Yeah. I mean, I would say his platform's wacky, but in a Pennsylvania kind of way. So, like, yeah. what are you going to do? Um, but I feel like the idea that he was just like, Dr. Oz is going to be taken down on the grounds in which he arrived, which yeah. is nothing. Yeah, I is know. Too amazing.
1: Well, and the other thing is, is like, thank God John Fetterman won this primary. Oh my too, God! Because can you
0: imagine if Connor Lamb had had to take on Dr. Oz?
1: I'm like, Dr. Oz. No would one have, would be more eloquent. If Dr. Oz would have tweeted out, you know, a thing about like how gas prices were hard high conor lamb would have agreed with him and then like tweeted out his 74 point plan to to back joe biden on his inflation you know i mean whatever the fuck he would have done but like
0: that was a good example i can't believe you just pulled that out of your ass that was exactly what he would have done right (laughs)
1: yes yeah Yeah, i get him for some reason i don't know why i don't like that i do but i do um so you know thank god Because the other thing is, is that like, you know, part of the reason why the Republicans are their you know, their Senate campaign arm is talking about moving money out of there is because, you know, there is still sort of a path for them to take the Senate without winning Pennsylvania. Now, it includes sort of like flipping, you know, they have to hold on to Wisconsin and North Carolina. Certainly they could flip Arizona. They could flip Nevada. They could flip New Hampshire. Georgia is on this list. I don't think that's going to happen probably because there's no way Herschel Walker wins that race down there. Um, But, you know, they had a call with donors who were freaking out about this race. And they were like, don't worry. We can still win the (laughs) Senate without this. But the only way to do that really is to decide that they're not going to waste any money
0: on it. Which I feel like... <laughs> I can't believe they decided to waste any money on it in the I first can't either, place. This it's was wild a joke of that a... With,
1: There's still a hundred days left before this election. Yeah. It's wild to me that they've decided that that's over already.
0: I mean, I think... That
1: I mean, I think they're right.
0: But. They're, of course. <laughs> they're definitely right. I also think that they probably don't understand this media environment either. Yeah. So they probably, their money is not very well spent here. Because one of the other things that Fetterman has been really smart about doing is creating a campaign dynamic that kind of exists outside of what consultants know how to yeah. read and understand. So. They don't know how to take on someone like Fetterman no he's just trolling. he's making jokes on twitter that's literally his campaign platform right now is just dr oz is from new jersey and i'm gonna f- make fun of it and so like who do you hire to combat that in I the know. trump move? you know in trump world yeah i mean there are pl- you know if, if dr oz was the kind of celebrity who was comfortable being as bombastic on twitter as trump is maybe that would be fine yeah sure but he's not really that that's not his brand
1: no and, and, it so, and it would feel disingenuous. I think people totally, would understand yeah. that it was a... It totally. Was a, was it? Yeah.
0: So without the... I mean, Fetterman is, Trump, is doing Trump at him, basically, but smart. <laughs> right. Like, funny Trump. Yeah. And so, like, I, I feel like maybe they are also caught in an awkward situation where their money's not actually buying anything in that yeah. race. Because, yeah. like, what are they going to do to combat... Dr. Oz is from New Jersey.
1: <laughs> <laughs> He's officially from New <laughs> Jersey. <laughs> He's literally from New Jersey. <laughs> right.
0: and. While I know that New York City just elected a mayor from New Jersey, so I get that this has, ha- this has worked for New Jersey before, I just, like, I don't see how, if, you're- if your opponent is hell-bent yeah. on raising that as the primary issue, I just don't. Yeah. And is so of the place, too. Because yeah. Fetterman can get away with this because he is of the place. He is right. the most Pennsylvania person that's ever lived. <laughs> totally. And so, like, I just, like, don't see what the money and the consultants and the media buys buy them in this race. Yeah, nothing. Like, at, these, at least in these other races, they, like, have a fighting chance of, like, doing what they do.
1: Yeah, I agree. Although even, you know, uh, who knows what is going on. Yeah. Well, who some knows? of their candidates, maybe they I don't. Was, well, see, that's the thing, you know. I mean, <laughs> this like, is, this is going to be This is a, a sad lot. This is, you know... Poor Mitch McConnell. (laughs) right! Tears for Mitch McConnell. (laughs) But I mean, how many times has this man not gotten to be the Senate leader because his primary voters have delivered him a slate of candidates who are just too nutty to exist?
0: How many Todd Akins are they going to go through before they get to the bottom of that barrel?
1: Because it's happening, you know, it happened here. Right. Um, Also, right now, there's a lot of polling that has Tim Ryan ahead of J.D. Vance in in Ohio, and that cooks them. They're down there at that point. And I also,
0: that's another race where I, Tim Ryan, much as I hate him, is of Ohio in a way that, like Fetterman, he has the sort of moral credibility to really take on J.D. Vance in that race.
1: Totally. And he's very, he's very you know you can say he's very tall too I was very tall and you can say what you want about him I don't I don't I have a lot to say about. I was gonna say I don't like all of his politics but I do think that like he does a good job speaking to working people yes he even said that and I don't think he's as good as Sherrod Brown but like when asked who he would emulate in the senate um he said Sherrod Brown and I do think that there are a lot of people who you know he's good on uh, he's been running a lot on certainly touting this chips bill, which passed this week. We're going to get to that in a little bit. You know, just sort of like he's been running a lot of anti-China stuff, which,
0: again, say what you will,
1: probably works in Ohio, (laughs) right? I mean, like, I think he is speaking to probably things that, like, are more important to he Ohio people than what, also, the, what the like what's JD Vance doing? He, he needs, also speaks
0: to this sort of anti-establishment streak that I think Ohio voters who voted for Trump might have yeah. in their you know that might see in JD Vance. Yeah, yeah, Where yeah. because Tim Ryan, I mean, he tried to take on Nancy Pelosi for Senate or for House Majority yeah, Leader yeah, right. Speaker of the House. What yeah. am I? The majority Leader of the Senate? Yeah. You guys, who knows what's going on anymore? <laughs> but I mean, like he's done some wild things strategically that I think probably have ingratiated him to Ohio voters, for, to that specific populist streak in Ohio voters. Yeah. And I think because of that, J.D. Vance is probably not as well positioned to to be the populist in that race as he would like to be.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. And then also, you know, we already mentioned Georgia. Yeah, we've got Herschel like, Walker. R- right? Like, Is Herschel Walker actually going to win in Georgia? No, I would say not. Ron Johnson, who every... You know, I think the I think the Republicans bailed on Ron Johnson in 2016, yeah. and then he still ended up winning. Way which more. is annoying. but um, you know, I mean, I think the Dems are finally their primary is coming up, but I think everybody's finally starting to coalesce around or coalesce around Mandela Barnes, who's been elected statewide. He's the lieutenant governor right now. He's well liked, so you know, I think that that race gets dicey for them to look. It's a long way away, and Dems, and, could, mess and, and so Dems could mess this no up so easily. No one is better qualified. Although too. we're gonna talk next about something that like vaguely gives them something to run on. Right,
0: finally. But <laughs> finally,
1: right? Months later, but like I I it seems like maybe there's an outside chance that they could hold on to the Senate and maybe even pick up a seat.
0: Yeah. Which would not solve any of their problems. It wouldn't solve any
1: problems. Obviously,
0: no. but would be a nice opportunity for us to care about only mansion or cinema, not both of them.
1: <laughs> not both. Right, exactly. I think yeah. that would
0: be a nice turn of events for us. Yeah. But yeah, Um, I feel like also just in the lead up to this, because Brent has has a note here, related note, should Fetterman run for president? Oh, yeah. I saw something in the Hill, should AOC run for president? I think that there is suddenly an active streak uh, or an active uh, sort of minority within the left world looking for a populist candidate.
1: Oh yeah. Knowing,
0: I mean I know we have the sort of Sanders movement. I also like he's also too old. Like we need yeah. a new populist person to like yeah. take the mantle. Um but I think it's interesting to me cuz normally at this time of year what you start seeing is like should Hillary Clinton run for president? And sure, we've had those as well. Right, but they're, they're I rarely though. see people start speculating <laughs> about populists. I see people talking about why Sanders shouldn't run this time frequently. <laughs> right. You know, every time that he, every time that we're in a cycle where he could run, everyone's like, here are all the reasons that he shouldn't run. <laughs> right. There's always those op-eds. Yeah. You rarely this early start seeing op-eds that are like, should a populist run for president? Yeah. And the answer is yes, a populist <laughs> should run for president. <laughs> yes, that's why we're wondering this. The reason this question occurred to you is because the answer is yes. <laughs> right. So, like, just start putting your thinking cap on. <laughs> right. It doesn't have to be either of these two, but it should no. be one of them. I mean, yep. one of the populists. Not. Yep. In any yep. case, um, so that's a thought. But, yeah, this... <clears throat> Senate deal this week...
1: Came out of nowhere.
0: Came out... And this is what we have been asking of these fools. Do they think... Were they just like, we'll get one shot for our entire lives at it, and we're going to have to make it 2022 because that's the end. Because like
1: I think so. You know
0: Schumer could have pulled these deals... Out of his... I, Maybe. Mitch McConnell's been pulling these deals together nonstop for yeah. decades. I don't understand why we only ever get one shot. I know. But this was kind of like a I mean Even, even people, even Democrats in the Senate were like, whoa,
1: I know. Yeah, I know. Chris <laughs> Murphy was like, I was shocked like, when they found this out.
0: Well, no one, I mean, no one has engendered less confidence in their strategic <laughs> abilities than the Senate Democrats. <laughs> I so know. I feel like e- even they are <laughs> I mean, like, we can't, yeah. we don't do anything.
1: <laughs> but yes, we've got a deal. And I love that they've called it the Inflation Reduction yes, Act. They finally used Good our job. method
0: of naming bills crazy things like the Ponies and Rainbows bill. Because yeah, that's. it don't wh-
1: have anything to do with inflation at all. No, who Nothing. cares?
0: Just name it the Happy Fun Times Bill. It doesn't right. matter what you call I mean, a it Bill. It cuts
1: the deficit, which just sort of annoys me. Even though I shouldn't <laughs> I care, I suppose. But like, no, I, I care. Mean, but I think, think about that how t- much
0: more we could do if we weren't cutting the deficit. I, I think
1: that's why we're getting away with calling it the Inflation Reduction Act. Probably is because it's also why
0: we're getting away with Joe Manchin being involved. He wants to run on cutting the deficit, <laughs> right. and now or cutting uh, cutting inflation, and now yeah. he has kind get to do yeah. that.
1: But the timing of it was interesting for a few reasons. Um, one of which we'll get to a little bit later. But the first reason is on Monday of this week, a bunch of staffers were arrested as they were doing a sit-in in Chuck Schumer's office demanding that they go back and like restart talks on a climate bill.
0: Yeah, this was kind of an amazing action. It was a bunch of house staffers who mostly worked for like Ro Khanna type offices Uh who got to... Cory Bush, I think. Cory Bush's staffers were there, yeah. Um, So it was like progressive house staffers got together and did a sit-in in Chuck Schumer's office, which I have been encouraging people inside government to start protesting inside government as well because that's sure. when things start to look crazy and that's what you're looking for in this situation yeah so, <clears throat> so they did a really well publicized sit-in everyone was following it on twitter they all got arrested mm. then they all got out um and but they it were was, like in
1: his office with like big banner yes, signs and everything but what it's was just, such like, what was so
0: that. good about the visuals is they were all wearing staffer outfits they <laughs> right. were all in suits yeah. So it didn't look like the Sunrise Movement, who I also approve of going and doing this, obviously, totally. and I love it when kids in t-shirts come and do this too. <laughs> but this looked like a bunch of young professionals, the kind of people who go to law school, <laughs> sitting in the office, wearing their professional gear. I, they were all masked. I loved oh, yeah. that for them. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And then they brought signs and they were just like, we're going to sit here until we get arrested. And they, like, this is... Exactly what having an organizer representing people does because I've been thinking a lot about why I, I think that Cory Bush is special for reasons that are different than why AOC is special yeah. and I think the reason that Cory Bush is special is because she is somebody who has taken a real like organizer's mentality to her work in Congress yes. in a way that has been effective even when she's been doing it going it alone yeah. and so I love that Part of the change that we have seen, and obviously this is not enti- this probably was not her personal idea or whatever, but like part of the change in strategy that we're seeing on the left in the House includes organizing tactics yeah. that you would normally see coming from outside, outside. the House. Yeah. And I, it is important that we have organizers inside the House too, because that's how you organize people is with yeah. organizers. Yeah, exactly. And so I feel <clears throat> like in particular, um, this is like a kind of legacy of electing people like Cory Bush, and I think she is kind of like the first of this particular brand of organizer, who is like really a dedicated activist who came yeah, into the house. Totally. to totally. Like, to see what's possible when you have someone like that and, and the kind of staff that they bring together behind you is really exciting. And so this was very exciting. Yeah.
1: But it is interesting, though, that by that was on Monday. And then by Thursday, we were announcing a deal on the largest investment in climate that That's right. we've, <laughs> we've ever done. Um, I think actually maybe before we tell you exactly what's in it, the reason that it came together in a way that was so shocking to everyone is because they kind of pulled a Mitch McConnell on yeah. Mitch McConnell, which, which was is so a, glorious. which was a delight, because the reason that they hadn't done it yet was because McConnell had been fairly vocal about the fact that he wasn't going to pass. He would hold back votes on the chips bill, right. which was that thing that they passed a bunch of money for to like make semiconductors here in the U.S. And I think it right. was mostly just a bunch of tax breaks to corporations so that probably didn't, what else? didn't need additional money to make semiconductors. They could just probably be making them anyway, but regardless. Right. <clears throat> um, so they announced the, this deal, this climate deal, and other there's other things in it, but they announced it after CHIPS passed. Yeah. And then the Republicans got big mad.
0: And then did the most amazing Republican thing <laughs> and elected to take their anger out on what is, optically speaking, the worst possible bill.
1: They decided to screw veterans.
0: They decided to go oppose the burn pits bill, which is, yeah. I feel like, let's talk about that and then we can talk about what's in the what's climate in bill, yeah, because I feel yeah, like that's sure. kind of a direct outgrowth no, it is. It totally of this. Is. It is. But so in any case, I, the burn pits bill, which is something I've been following because a lot of the activists I worked with sure. on the 9-11 health bill are working on burn pits. It's basically a bill that would extend VA services to burn pit victims who had been exposed in the line of duty. Um, this is one of those issues that for a long time the U.S. government didn't want to admit that having burn pits on their, uh, on their uh, whatchamacallits bases was give, making people sick, but it turns yeah. out that burning toxic chemicals anywhere really is bad for people's health. And so finally, so there are a ton of, you know, there are a ton of veterans who did not get sick in combat, but got sick Living on a base or working on a base, yeah. who now need care, and this extends some VA services to them. Um, the original version of the bill had already passed in the Senate with sixty-four votes, I believe. Um, no, and,
1: I think it was like eighty-four, or maybe, votes oh, maybe or maybe it was eighty-four votes. Yeah, no, it, it was, was a huge. An insane it was a pl-
0: they had they had a, pl- a large margin, yeah. and because of that, no one really thought that it was in peril in the Senate. Right. So it had already gone... So I had been following these votes for you know the last few weeks. These people and
1: haven't met Ted Cruz.
0: These people have not <laughs> met Mike Lee. They've not met Ted Cruz. They've not met Rand Paul. They don't know... What's going They're on out them. there? Yeah. But in any case, so they kind of thought, like, okay, great, you know, the president supports this bill because Bo, his son, I'm not, was it Bo who had burn I pit exposure? Know. I think it was Bo who had burn Yeah, probably. Because Bo yeah. is the one who died, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. I think Bo had had burn pit exposure, and they thought maybe that was related to the cancer that he died of. Like, so the president supports this bill. Yeah. We have support in the House. Also, why not do this who what po- what political party doesn't want to provide health care to veterans i mean you guys republicans republicans it turns <laughs> out. but so in any case so this is like a slam dunk for everyone it makes it everyone seems like a hero it's a group you know it, it's it's representing a constituency that everyone wants to cater to mm-hmm. um and i think optically in so many cases uh they've been, you know they made this this fumble with 9 11 as well but the the reason these bills can be bipartisan is because optically, there's nothing dumber than actively screwing over veterans.
1: Right.
0: And that's in part because of who we... And then fist bumping about it. And then fist bumping about (laughs) it. Exactly. Yeah, they just... Every image associated with this, every statement they released, everything they did was wrong. So... They decide they're not going to pass the burn pit bill after all. And again, this is just like the reconciliation bill. Like, it's not the... They, they already have dis- decided on the framework. They've already agreed to it. Yeah. There were a couple of edits made on the House side, and they were just voting on those. And then suddenly, Pat Toomey and John Cornyn are like, no.
1: It's a slush fund. It's a
0: slush fund. <laughs> and it, we can't because of the budget. And then there are also some, like, lame-o excuses roaming around because they were kind of searching around for an excuse because yeah, they didn't have... They, they think of one it. on the fly. <laughs> um, that it was going to expand benefits to people who didn't deserve them, like, by accident. And, like, literally... Even if that were true, which it's not, but even if that were true, the only people that qualify for this program are sick veterans who, where, however they got sick, is that not a group of people who maybe should have access to VA services? Yeah. In any case. So it's just like, their excuses are dumb. <clears throat> and they also stupidly took a gamble on the main bill John Stewart was interested in supporting in the last few cycles. So John yeah. Stewart hits the oh, media. Man. And you know how effective he is. I mean, He's effective. Also
1: went on Newsmax. Yeah. John Stewart went on, I, I think mean, Fox News. He, at one point, had said that Fox News wouldn't have him on, but I think they yeah. ultimately did. Maybe no, it was the next day. But I, I mean, like, he's not afraid to also, He's not afraid like, to go, go on Right Wing Media.
0: I mean, I, you know, I saw him go on, a, I was... On a ton of Fox News oh, with him on during on the News, yeah. 9-11 health bill thing. Like, I, but like he's somebody who we did, you know, when we would go around and do press after big events like that, like we went on every channel, whether or not they were problematic. And yeah. because, because like with the 9-11 health bill, this is not actually a partisan issue. Yeah. And he knows that. And he's a really, he's really effective at communicating that. Yeah. And so... They couldn't, this this bill has a sort of like the the spokesperson that the most people are the most willing to trust. It's about veterans. It's like literally got the imagery of, you know, of of veterans, sick veterans sleeping on the steps of Capitol Hill right now that they have unleashed. And, you know, and like when we, I also like, I think that just optically speaking, aside from the fact that this is cruel and morally corrupt. Yeah. I also think that, like, from an optics perspective, it is never smart, especially for Republicans, to screw over veterans, not because they don't hate everyone. I get that they're cruel, you know, whatever. But because when you think about who the spokespeople for veteran communities often are and why those are the spokespeople, what you realize is that our sort of like imagination of who veterans are in these situations is like heroic white men. (laughs) And you do not want to look like you're fucking over heroic white men. That is dumb. And But that means they get media placements no one else gets. Oh, they sure. get taken seriously on, on those media placements the way that no one else does. Yeah. They are, because of that, really effective political communicators and smart organizers because they yeah. can be taken seriously at times that if it was just a bunch of dumb teenagers walking around, no one would have invited them on the show. And when they did, no one would have taken them seriously when they talked. Right. You know, like even... David Hogg does not get taken as seriously yeah. by, you know, me, by audiences as any sick veteran, veteran in America. And that is just because of how we're all socialized and, you know, trained to think about America the experiment or whatever. And that's fine. But because but <laughs> veterans groups, the reason that these bills become so high profile is because veterans groups are really good at organizing knowing that these optics work. And so this is aside from being just like dumb because it created a issue out of nothing because they could have just all walked away heroes from this and not even worried about it this is dumb because they took on the one group of people that they know from experience can defeat them in an actual grassroots lobbying effort yeah it's so dumb I can't it's so dumb I know they also decided Susan Collins also decided she was going to walk away from the the codifying same sex marriage bill
1: yeah Uh, which was weird because that seemed like maybe that was going to pass
0: I know also like
1: I mean it should. It's, like
0: Right. That's a dumb yeah. one that it's a dumb giveaway that you can do yeah. to make it seem like the fact that you let, you know, <coughs> Roe not that you let I mean, Ro disappear right. is not a reason to get rid of you from yeah. your main seat. Yeah. In any case. So all of this has unleashed mayhem and they have handled it the worst possible way. I know. I just like here's the thing. There is not a world in which the burn Pitts bill does not ultimately pass.
1: It's gonna pass. It time. has to pass. It'll pass. And so yeah.
0: they either get to look like they stood, and like this is why Pat Toomey got put in this job because he's leaving. So the totally. reason that he was uh, he was told he was the, going to be the face of this is right. because he can do whatever he he's wants. Not going to be electoral. Uh, exactly. Uh, right. Because and, and that's because they knew this would be an electoral liability. Yeah. But it's still you guys, going to be for the rest. We of can make also. it an electoral liability we, we sure for can. anyone, we sure and can. we should. We sure can. Because this is not. <clears throat> al- not just because it's morally bankrupt, because it shows that they're dumb at politics.
1: <laughs> totally. Yeah.
0: And being good at politics is the only thing that was getting them elected in the first place. In any case, True. let's talk about what's in this deal with Manchin and uh, yeah. the Manchin-Schumer So
1: team. it's raising $739 billion. And so that's how they're saying that this is going to you know, right. cut the deficit. Because it and only spends $433 inflation, billion. Inflation, right. Now, I think there's some questions about some of these things as to whether the stupid parliamentarian is going to allow them to be, because they're going to do this on reconciliation, right? So it all has to be like budgetary or whatever. So anyway, the money that it's raising is, they're going to set a corporate minimum tax of 15%. Finally, we've been talking about doing that forever. That's going to raise $313 billion. The next biggest funder is $288 billion. And that calls for prescription drug price reform, which is going to allow Medicare to negotiate drug prices.
0: Finally. You guys, this is the low-hanging fruit. We have been saying that they should go after for years. Forever. The fact that it hasn't been done well, yet, and they've yet, to. It's and they been on their hit promise, list for decades. They I promise mean, it in every election. It's oh. like just fucking do it.
1: <laughs> just fucking do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, 124 billion dollars just raised through um, tax enforcement by right. the, the IRS, and then 14 billion dollars. And this could be a kicker here. Uh, that. Um, they closes are, the carried
0: interest loophole. It's the
1: carried interest loophole. Yes, exactly. Which Kirsten Cinema and also some people in the house have said was a total non-starter. So yeah. the world awaits Kirsten Sinema
0: right.
1: on this because we obviously need her vote on this. We need all 50 of them.
0: I have something to say about it, which is that in you know, the very worst case scenario, they could pass this bill without the 14 billion, and it would change nothing about the bill.
1: Well, that's true because the investments would—you could still invest what you're investing. I mean, they should the do this. The spending in just this bill it, is
0: right. Spe- like, I don't care about deficit reduction, so no, I, don't I don't care know. about account like that. They already <laughs> right. are doing deficit reduction, whether or not the, the one, 14 billion the is in there. The one thing
1: that I think. Keeping it in allows them to say, we're going to make rich people pay their fair share in taxes. Of course. Now, obviously, there's more that they could be doing on that front. A lot more they could be doing on that front. So much more. However, I think that's one of the pieces of the bill that would allow them to go around telling everybody that they've done that. And that's a big thing for Democratic voters, especially base voters. They're going to be like, yeah, you
0: know, Well, one thing that that they could maybe do to that end, but they won't, is I always get worried when they talk about IRS enforcement. Because oh. that is almost always targeted at the very people who can't afford it. Yeah, yeah. Um, they could target the enforcement at the very rich. And that oh. would actually probably raise more money than this yeah. $14 billion and also just be better for society. <laughs> right. They won't because they're they afraid won't. of those people yeah. and they paid millions of dollars to fight these things. Yeah. But I'm just saying, yeah. if, if they're going to audit us more, uh, yeah. maybe they could you know, yeah. audit the rich more too. Right.
1: And then the biggest thing that they're spending on here is climate. $369 billion, which contributes it to energy, climate provisions. They claim that that investment is going to reduce carbon emissions by roughly 40% by 2030, which I think was part of Biden's, one of his campaign promises, I think, or it was to reduce by 50%, I think. But that's yeah. it's getting them close, assuming that they maybe can pass something else at some point. Um, so, And and that also represents the biggest investment in, in climate ever. What which a sad world in, in, we I was going to say, in compared to... to no investment in climate, I right. think, probably. Because, yeah. you know, that $369 billion is over 10 years. So, like, you know, it's less money than we sent, you know, Ukraine last week. That's right. Um, Essentially.
0: The so, biggest <laughs> investment in climate in American history.
1: We're doing it, guys. I'm
0: finally getting in there. <laughs>
1: yeah. And then an additional $64 billion, which is going to shore up some of the, the ACA, premium ACA premiums and subsidies and extend them. Longer than, I think, initially. I think Manchin had, like, By agreed year, to, like, two years. And I think it's now... Oh, I thought it was five now, maybe. But anyway, I ex- it's... I
0: think it's three. They
1: extended it. Yeah. Um. Uh. More than he had originally said that they were going to. But yeah, I mean, even, like, when they announced this at the caucus meeting, supposedly it was, like, audible gasps <laughs> that there was... That they had come to this deal because nobody knew it was happening.
0: From their own parties. From their own party. Well, and that's, in part, like, they have just been talking to Manchin. I, they finally took, I think... Some, uh, took a beat and thought, how do we actually work with Joe Manchin? Remember how we (laughs) knew him before? Right. And I think what he needed to get what he needed out of this.
1: And also, this was your advice, too. Like, don't go go around talking about it to everybody. No. You said this on the podcast the last time we
0: recorded. Don't don't out him (laughs) until he's ready to agree what he's going to be outed on. That seems to be his big issue because he turns around every time they're like, yes, we got him on, we got him on blah, blah, blah. He's like, never mind. I've changed my mind. What yeah. if you just get him to agree to the whole thing at once? That's what they finally that's what did. They did. Chuck Schumer probably listens to this podcast, so <laughs> that's probably what happened.
1: Probably, yeah.
0: <laughs> um, also, the House passed an assault weapons ban.
1: I know. And now, it, not maybe the some, Senate
0: should pass one.
1: Right, I know. They won't. But they won't. I mean, you know, it was certainly not without some drama because yeah. of course, you know, Josh Godheimer had to get involved. He's a real star of this podcast today, I guess, isn't he? <laughs> because, you know, they've been trying to pass an assault weapons ban for some time in the House. And obviously, as you mentioned, it's not gonna pass in the Senate. So it's no. you know, it's This is just it, showmanship. It's, it's showmanship at this point. But Josh Gottheimer, who can't understand that this is just showmanship, wanted to make sure that the assault weapons ban got tied to spending untold millions and billions of dollars for police forces across the country. Because that's what everybody's looking for.
0: Mm, Yes. Famously.
1: Obviously, the left didn't want to do that. And certainly the Congressional Black Caucus didn't want to do that. Yeah. However, Joyce Beatty from the CBC who had told her caucus that they were not going to vote on these and that they weren't even going to be ready to vote on for a couple weeks. They're probably going to end up having to vote on them. But they're trying to, I think, get some measures for, like, accountability and things like that and, like, what that money can actually be spent on and stuff like that. But those things haven't been figured out. Anyway, she announced, like, on Thursday, before they were supposed to vote on this on Friday, that she'd reached a deal with Gottheimer to vote on these police bills along with the assault weapons ban. And they were all like, (laughs) (laughs) ma'am. No, no, you didn't. no. No, you didn't, and so they all got together, like them and some non CBC uh, members, including like Andy Levin, who's like up for re-election. Was like, no, we're not, we're not doing that. (laughs)
0: This is like, this is this is electoral suicide.
1: Yeah, and she because I guess she had claimed that there were like six incumbents that like this would help in their re-election or whatever. And Mondaire Jones was like, by the way. I'm trying to get reelected right now. Right. And having to vote on huge, this... In a
0: primary, in a that, primary that is wild. Right, he,
1: w- he said, I've got the hottest primary right now. Yeah. And he was absolutely right about that. So it's like, yes. if they want to keep their incumbents, like, you have to worry about, you know, both sides of this
0: well, logic. Well, they are historically incredibly bad at this. Well, I know. This is... But yeah, yeah. I, that's, the, the, the idea that this doesn't impair... And also... Especially in the Mondaire Jones primary, yeah, the person they're going to get in that seat if he doesn't get elected is even more progressive than him. (laughs) So like, they really do have to worry to themselves about whether this is a strategy they want to pursue.
1: But of course, you know, Jim Clyburn, Hakeem Jeffries, all went into their closed door CBC meeting on Friday and begged and pleaded with all of their members to vote on it, and they didn't. they they ultimately they had enough votes and they basically were like we're not voting on this so it didn't get put on the floor and they were able to pass the assault weapons ban.
0: I was clean gonna say just Friday. tell Josh Gottheimer to fuck off. So the left actually sort of th- kind of won
1: something here, which
0: actually, is for the first what a time, confusing time potentially ever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they won something that will never get through the Senate.
1: Well, right. I know exactly. That's, yeah. But at but, least they they blocked that until you know there can be some more. Like I said, they're going to end up having to vote on it at some point. But yeah. Um, you know, maybe they can at least... Because I think Jones was like, we have to look at this because, like, only 20% of the money that's in this bill is, like, based on any sort of, like, evidence... Requires evidence-based, be- based yeah. practices. Yeah, so, like, I think there's going to be, like, some adjustments to that that will sort of, like, allow the CBC members yeah. to sort of, like, you know, stomach voting for it, even though probably the last thing they want to do is vote for a police funded bill, but anyway.
0: Yeah, nobody wants it. It's <laughs> enough. We did it. No. We funded right.
1: them. I know. It's like Josh Gottheimer... Abigail Spanberger and Stephanie Murphy are like the only three people that want that passed, yeah. and so we have to pass it. Because That's right. They're got it. Frontline
0: seats. Got to save those frontline seats.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: But Ugh. also, don't raise that before all the primaries are over. Guys, are you fucking insane? Nuts. I mean, good lord, these people don't care about anyone. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about the final hearing. I know but, that was two weeks ago. Please. But you know, we weren't here last week. So what are you going to do? No. Um, it wasn't fireworks television. Yeah. And I maintain that the committee has stumbled. In all of their primetime slots, despite the fact that all of their other hearings have been great, <laughs> they somehow can How only do do not it? get it together for the primetime slots. How do they do it? And it is not because the story is not good; it's because they are boring. <laughs> and like the thing that's been nice about the midday hearings is those have been hearings where they've they've had like surprise witnesses and fun Ooh. fireworks and funny antics and videos and yeah. whatever. And like. Every time that they do a primetime hearing, they're like, we got to summarize everything. And so instead, it's just someone's boring voice summarizing everything. Right. Um, the central question of this hearing was what did Donald Trump know, and when did he know it right. as, those atta- as the January sixth attacks mm-hmm. were being carried out? Um, and they basically built the case that Trump knew things were out of hand at the Capitol for hours and called nobody and did nothing, and then also pouted a little bit and tried to tone down the language when he was finally convinced to do a video to tell everyone to go home hours later. Right. Um,
1: which we, had a, which we got a blooper reel of. We
0: got a blooper reel of. Can't
1: say yesterday. He
0: can't say the word yesterday. He <laughs> believes that's a difficult word. I want someone to come up with a supercut of him saying the word yesterday without trouble. Uh, oh, yeah. It I'm, is, I'm it, sure. It's, it, it's got to yeah. exist. I'm sure. In any case, first off, before we get into it, I'm annoyed that Benny Thompson decided to show his face, and I'll tell you why. He has COVID. He was a person who had COVID during this hearing, yeah. and instead of going home and resting, as he should do, because this hearing could easily go on without him. Right. He decided to have a video opening statement from him, yeah. which means that he got up, went to work, wrote an opening statement, probably had to go into a facility of some sort because I don't believe he has a flag display in his own home. Um, <laughs> right. And through all of that, likely could you know expose people to COVID. Also, just set a bad example for what you should do when you have COVID. Yeah, the right. president's been doing that too. I get that it's coming from the top. But I just like, every single one of these people It's like, don't worry, I'm going to work through COVID. And it's yeah. like, the only thing that protects you from being seriously ill for the rest of your life from COVID is not working through COVID. Yeah. So like, stop with yourself right now. In any case, the hearing was led by... Uh, Elaine Luria, who's from Virginia, and just couldn't be a more boring person. I was going to say,
1: maybe not so expertly
0: uh, Not Elaine expertly. Luria. And Adam Kinzinger, who... Did you see him take that drink of water at the very beginning of the hearing? I have never seen a more aggressive... Oh, yeah, ...after his I opening did. statements. Yeah. It was very aggressive. Yeah. I don't know what was going on. <laughs> In any case, um, and then Matthew Pottinger and Sarah Matthews, who were former White House aides and under Trump, testified. Yeah. Matthew Pottinger was given entirely too much time to wax poetic about his dumb political philosophy, which I guess... Was to establish his Republican bona fides. I get it, but right. also so patronizing and stupid. And I yeah. literally almost turned off the television. Didn't he look
1: like he hadn't slept in like weeks? Oh my and god, also? what was
0: going on with the bags under his eyes? I've never seen a more alarming looking awake person in my life. <laughs> he had the darkest bags under his eyes I've ever seen. Right and you know what? Here's the thing: if we we learned something in the Nixon Kennedy debates, and that was that men should also wear makeup, makeup on, on television. Yeah, he was on TV. It's like, sure, go to the bar like that. I don't fucking care. But like, this was not a time to be too good to yeah. put on some eye makeup. Get some,
1: get some CC cream.
0: Get some CC cream. Some, but the, the Republican women that he was working with wear so much makeup. Someone knew what to do. <laughs> yes. Like, I, yeah, exactly. as somebody who has been on Fox News... I am well aware of how much makeup is going on in conservative oh, circles. Right. They that's yes. I've never been more made up in my life than the time I told them to do natural makeup for me on Fox <laughs> So like...
1: Well, it's the first time anyone had ever told them to do <laughs> <exactly>. that.
0: <laughs> the version of natural still involved them asking the question, do you want fake lashes?
1: God, right.
0: In any case, my point is someone in Republican circles knows how to do eye makeup and that person needed to be dispatched immediately <laughs> to deal with the Matthew Pottinger situation. Yeah. In any case, so here's what we learned. We learned that Trump did literally nothing for the entire day. He sat and watched the whole thing going on on television. He was told by multiple people that things were entirely out of hand, that Mike Pence's life was in danger, that things were falling apart. And he was just like, well, that's what happens. I was going
1: to (laughs) say, his his response was probably... Everything's going to be Exactly. Uh, <laughs> just as I plan. hoped. <laughs>
0: right, yeah, exactly. The, the uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs was like, he never even called me. Mike Pence called me multiple times, but Donald Trump didn't even give me a call. Like, he called no one. He did nothing. He sat and watched television yeah. and probably was eating Oreos or something. And just like, you know, they showed another map of the White House so that we could see sure. he was watching television in a room with a television. I don't know why that was necessary, but we did it. Um, yeah. And then in the midst of all of that, we learned that Pence's security detail was like literally calling their families to tell them goodbye. So, like, they kind of contrasted Trump's nothingness yeah. with Pence's not only working the phones himself, because he was the only person working the phones that day who was in the executive branch, but also um, his his security detail was like, we're going to die. Yeah. And there, were, there was some footage of them, you know, almost leading him right into the arms of the protesters by accident because there was nowhere safe to go. They didn't yeah. know what to do. So that was very alarming. Um, we also found out about uh, Kevin McCarthy's call with Trump where he was like, you got to do something, and Trump yeah. was like, "No." And Kevin McCarthy had said to people that he almost called for him to resign.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, Kevin McCarthy was on Fox he, News that day, being like, "The president has to do something." Exactly. I mean, like, I, it, Kevin McCarthy so, was
0: pissed. I, it would be nice if he had had the courage to call for that resignation right. after the fact
1: and stick with and <laughs> stick with that. Stick with to, it to now.
0: But like we saw a lot of footage of literally every other leader trying to do leadery things. Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi were making calls, trying to figure out when they could proceed with the vote. Even Mitch McConnell was working to figure out how they could get back in yeah, well, there and do the business. They were the going
1: to have to stay up later than he wanted to. Exactly, which they did. Well,
0: that's that's like all of these people are like 85 years old. You cannot just be like having mm-hmm. them roaming around, you know, with gunmen on the loose in the building, just like trying to stay awake. Mm-hmm. They needed naps. They were not given naps. They wanted to get back to business. At that point they knew who had been elected president. <laughs> right. So it was like it was time to get on with it. <laughs> the most memorable part was a smash cut of Josh Hawley waving and putting raising his fist to protesters mm-hmm. and then running like a scared child as soon as he got back into the Capitol building. It got an audible laugh in the room and actually the video of it in the room is really fun because the the laugh is so much bigger than you think it's going to be. And this is at a time where everyone's just been reliving their trauma for like two (laughs) hours and then the whole room just bursts into uproarious laughter. The other time that there was laughter, was watching Donald Trump try to say the word yesterday. <laughs> yesterday,
1: yeah. This was another one where, you know, and I didn't see all of this. I saw, I saw most of it, but I, I had to, to leave before right. it was over. You know, I think that, like, this, and I remember telling you this after the, the first hearing, I think that, like, this is... The subject that they were covering here, specifically of Trump doing nothing in those three hours, is the exact thing that you assumed that he was doing right. and and that we sort of knew that he was doing because right. we knew that he hadn't called, uh, you know, anyone in to help. Right. I mean, we knew people were
0: trying to reach d- him. He to s- to, we know he talked right. to Tommy Tuberville. To
1: some degree, we had heard all of these things in the almost immediate aftermath. Yeah. And also, they're the things that you would imagine in your brain if you had no information what he did in the three hours after this had happened. You would probably like come to the conclusion yourself that he had probably done nothing and just watched it on television yeah. because that's what he does. So I think that like this was another sort of like are all of the things that we learned in this like should they all be bombastic? Yes, but are they also all the things that you can assume were the things right. that happened without needing to be told in a prime know time in television our hearing? <laughs> so I think that like I, and I yeah. I think because I remember telling you that after the first hearing too, which at this point I don't even remember what it was about that first the, that specific right. first hearing, right. but like you know I think that oh you, that was, was the
0: one where the the guy the British. Uh, Guy went and got uh, tacos with the Proud Boys.
1: Oh, yeah. That's right. Right. The, right. The Proud Boys are bad. Like, right. Life alert. Right. The, right. But well, that's what we learned in the first hearing. Right. right. You know? Like, but in some of the other hearings, we learned that Trump had tried to attack a Secret Service agent.
0: Right. he threw like, his lunch at the wall. Like, I mean, things were going that's, on.
1: That's what I'm looking for when I sit yes. down to television after I get off of work with a glass of wine. I want to be told something like that.
0: I, you're so right. The, the sort of main problem with this premise as a premise for a finale hearing, because this is really the season finale of the right. summer for while, hearings I mean, for a while. They're coming back finale. in September. Right, <laughs> right, the part one finale. Is that there was nothing new to teach anyone, because like we've often said about the Trump administration, what you imagine they're doing is almost always it. Yeah. They're always doing exactly what you think they might be doing. Yeah. If you think, no, that's too evil or stupid, then you're psyching yourself out, but that's what they're doing yeah and so there was no way to make this an exciting story because it was a story about doing nothing <laughs> right. i will say there was one way in which it was effective which is that it made 187 minutes seem really long because the uh. hearing itself was not even 187 minutes and it felt like it took 12 <laughs> hours
1: right. yeah
0: so in yeah. that sense they did an effective job of building up just how long trump did nothing yeah because i sat through that whole hearing and I wanted to do so many things I watch that <laughs> hearing. And yet I was forced to sit there and wait. Yeah. So
1: hey.
0: listen, 18 million people watched it. It's hard to get 18 million people to do anything on television That's these true. days. So, and I think 20 million had watched the first one, or 22 million. So they didn't have that much of a drop, drop off, off, honestly. Um, so listen, from a rating standpoint, it should drive Trump crazy that did they did so bad. well. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. I think also we're still excited for And September. especially
1: since part of that was like embarrassing for him. Like yes. He's not embarrassed. I don't mean that the fact that he did nothing for three hours. The part no, about no, no, him no. not I'm talking about the part of him. Not, not being, being able to, able to say, say yesterday. yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> right. That was embarrassing. Yeah. So like that's probably gonna really the piss him off more than anything. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Um, in any case, listen. As we sort of, like, deal with the fallout of some of the crazy Trump-era people that are going to start filtering in and out of the electoral cycle, and we're going to have more stories like this, we're getting some exciting news about how exactly they mismanaged their campaigns. And the first person who we're getting to hear that news about is Madison Cawthorn, because he is the first person who failed spectacularly at maintaining even his own seat. Um, as, as you probably remember, maybe don't, he lost his primary. Yeah. For being an asshole. Yeah. He's an asshole and he lost his primary. That's what yeah. happens. Um, so he, uh, he had spent a lot of money in that primary, probably mm. assuming he would win because it was already his seat. <laughs> right. Um, and so he did not have enough money at the end of that primary and started to spend general fund money during the primary. Mm. And if you do that and you lose your primary, you have to pay everyone back because you're not <laughs> running in the general. And so we are now learning what those overages entailed. And it included some real hilarity.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: It included uh, what was framed by the informant here as an egregious <laughs> amount of money spent at Chick-fil-A.
1: Chick-fil-A. At $1,500. At Chick-fil-A.
0: <laughs> $3,000 at a place called Papa's Beer. <laughs> $21,000 on lodging in Florida. What was he doing there? At, who cares? He doesn't live there. Yeah, well, that's why that's, you need a lodging. I well, that's, that's, that's true. What I mean. You don't need lodging if you already live there, but also no. don't be in Florida. So you don't
1: need to be campaigning there.
0: That's right. <laughs> Yeah, the ma- imagine you're at the very end of your failing campaign and right. you're like, I you should go money. get to Florida. I'm,
1: I'm going to spend $20,000 in Florida. That's right. Yeah.
0: Um, so he now uh, ha- is running a deficit and has to figure out how to raise the uh, the difference. I think he is ruled out running for office again, so he's going to have to just raise money somehow to pay these people back.
1: I bet people will give him money, sadly. Don't Probably. you think? Probably,
0: maybe. I don't know. <laughs>
1: maybe not that much. Listen, don't. <laughs> don't.
0: To whatever extent you were considering it, yeah. don't do it. Yeah. Make him squirm. Yeah. Um, we also learned about the most important conspiracy theory of late. That oh my God. listen, there was a random tweet that went viral this week from Ben Collins that was just like everyone I know is obsessed with the MedBed's conspiracy, and I was like, what is that? MedBed's. Yeah. So I googled it. It's as hilarious as you might imagine. We finally have a new QAnon theory that we can really sink yeah. our teeth well, into.
1: Well, and it's it's great because it answers some. You know, Long-standing, question. Long-standing questions, questions about their
0: other conspiracies, <laughs> right,
1: exactly. which include really how, ties it all together.
0: How JFK Jr. is being kept alive and so youthful yeah. throughout all of these years. Yeah, he's um, in a med bed. It so the theory centers on the existence of these med beds, which are medical instruments, beds of some sort mm-hmm. that, depending on who you talk to, do a lot of different things. They can reverse aging, they can uh, regrow missing limbs, they can cure cancer, famously. Obviously. Um, and. This has been a sort of, the, the the idea that these exist, there are a few companies that claim to sell them. This mm. has been sort of like a growing movement in the QAnon space. Sure. Um, and a lot of people claim that they're like awaiting med beds to treat various severe health conditions. And this is probably because they don't believe in traditional medicine, obviously, because <laughs> these are the very same people that like won't take won't vaccines vaccine, and like yeah. won't do normal medical things. Um, also, I think one of the other promises of the med bed Situation that is appealing to them is that it theoretically is going to um, make pharmaceutical companies obsolete. And they're very uh. anti establishment and they think pharmaceutical companies are the same as the government, and so they are not. Fully informed that these are pharmaceutical companies are right. living their dream and they don't know it. Yeah. Um, so I think that's sort of like a secondary thing. But so there are a bunch of companies selling them, they're like tens of thousands of dollars sure. and they make all kinds of claims. The companies mostly stop short of making the claims the followers make. So they have these sort of like secondary sources making claims that it's gonna like cure cancer, and the companies are very vague about what the bids right. do. Yeah, but because they,
1: right, they can't claim
0: that. Exactly. Yeah. It involves like the creme de la creme of snake oil salesmen. <laughs> sure. So it involves a doc, one of the one of the um, companies credits its technology to a doctor who's been accused by the FTC of being behind misleading advertisements about asthma treatments and his old company um, issued a resolution accusing him of sabotage, forgery, and sending company money to an online girlfriend. Um, <laughs> but most importantly, and as we teased at the beginning, a lot of Q sects have made med beds central to their JFK Jr. claims because this <laughs> is why he's alive and thriving. He's in a med bed. So we finally have a plot hole, the major plot hole of the JFK Jr phenomenon we
1: figured it out figured
0: out which is great there's also people who think that trump is aware of med beds and potentially controls them and might um the reason they're not available to the rest of us at the moment is that he's reserving them for critical military cases and military members
1: i'm sure that's what he's doing he's so community minded that sounds just like him
0: (laughs) it's just like it's a it's one of those conspiracy theories that really builds on a a, platform a sort of it, it's somehow all conspiracy theories at once and yet a new one it, it sort of is built in a bed of conspiracy theories and it is about a bed of conspiracy like it's everything it's very <laughs> right, meta, very meta is my yeah, that's my
1: point that's it yeah
0: uh-huh. um, there's another conspiracy that's uh, Donald Trump is proffering at the moment oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's about windshield wipers <laughs> he's trying wiper. to take on big wiper <laughs> he went on rant this week about windshield wipers only lasting a year and said it was a plot by Big Wiper. <laughs> by the way, this is the plot of a movie starring Greg Kinnear that I, don't know, pulled out of the recesses of my mind. You
1: said that I, and I was like, what?
0: I remember hearing about it and thinking, how on earth? Yeah. And then um, it,
1: it turns out that Greg trivia... Greg Kinnear and Lauren
0: Graham. Craig, Greg Kinnear and Lauren Graham in a movie about Big, Big Wiper. That's not called No, Big I don't remember Wiper. what it's called, <laughs> but either. it is... It is about Big Wiper t- trying to take out a, a lowly Wiper inventor.
1: Let me look it up. Hold <laughs> on.
0: It's called something like Flash of Genius or like one of those Oh, that's what things. it's called. Is it called Flash of Genius?
1: I think, isn't it?
0: Why would that movie be called Flash of Genius?
1: Yeah, it's called Flash of Genius.
0: How no wonder no one saw it. <laughs> I haven't even seen it. I don't even know why I know about it. And I also believe that I cra- I said it was starring somebody else when I Oh yeah, I, who did you say that it was? It was like starring? it was some other white guy. <laughs> It's yeah, just I can't like, remember who in any said. case, um, there is, anyway, Big Wiper accord- Big Wiper exists, <laughs> and Donald Trump is on the case. Um, he's also, uh, he's on, he, another, he's case on another case, too. This is just like a Donald Trump conspiracy theory rundown, <laughs> basically. But he decided to put Ivana Trump's grave near the first hole at Bedminster, his golf club in New Jersey, which seems we- seemed weird to everyone until we all dug into New Jersey tax law. Yeah. Because it turns out that under New Jersey State Tax Code, any land dedicated to a cemetery is exempt from basically all taxes, rates, and assessments, including business taxes, sales taxes, income taxes, inheritance taxes, like any taxes. So now he's running a cemetery. He's running a cemetery. What a (laughs) win for scammers. (laughs) He's been trying for years to turn Bedminster into a cemetery, apparently. Because, and it's funny because he keeps amending the plans, and first it will be like just for his family, and then they'll be like, but we're going to have a thousand plots, and then it'll be like, no, it's just for me, and then he'll be like, no, we're going to have acres upon acres of plots, because they probably keep re-finding out that in order for it to be considered a cemetery according to tax law, they have to have other people, anyone has to be able to be um, buried there. And so his plans to do this are longstanding. I think, you know, I think NPR first reported on it back in 2012. But he keeps amending the proposal because they keep re-finding out about the tax laws because you can only get this tax-exempt status if you're not, like, a closed cemetery. So, in any case, he's basically using Ivana to evade taxes at this point. Poor Ivana. Er (laughs) Trump just really uh, hurt... (laughs) Potentially killed by a conspiracy. I know. Now buried at the first hole at Bedminster. Just alone. Buried alone at the first hole of Bedminster. A golf club her ex-husband owns. (laughs) Specifically to get him tax breaks. It's... Oh,
1: so gross. It's
0: so gross. Oh, man. And in final news, we need to talk about Mike Pence's new book cover. (laughs) The book is called So Help Me God. And God did not... Help him find a photo of him looking human. Is this actually... like? If you look at the photo, it doesn't actually look like a real person. No. It looks sort of like a demon or that he's made of wax. But is this really the best shot of Mike Pence that they could find? He looks like every person on earth. I don't understand how there's not one single photo of him where he doesn't look like a fake person. Or like a wax statue of himself. It's, it's, it's so bad. It's so bad. Um.
1: Yeah, you should find it.
0: You should find the picture. Yeah, it's out there. It's, it's out, out there, there everywhere because everyone had curiosity about... Why on earth this was the human looking photo that they <laughs> chose Amen. for him. And the fact that it's called so help me god is just like a meta joke on him. I know. I mean, everything about it. We had
1: another book that was a a real meta joke because uh Josh Hawley after running running around <laughs> we we all remember that his his book that's coming out is about um uh what is it isn't it like masculinity or something like yeah, that yeah i think so it's let like, me wait it's I'm like gonna, how to be a masculine manhood. male man, man. <laughs> right after he's running the halls of Congress. <laughs> oh, yeah he's man. writing a book
0: on masculinity as you would if you were josh if holly yeah <laughs> famous scared person <laughs> um in any case that's the news this week we'll Ooh. you know be back next time with more news yeah so that's how, that's how it happens we've got some
1: guests coming up yeah, we do have some guests month. coming up in the next couple
0: months, so that will yeah. be exciting. We will uh, tease them on Twitter when yeah. we're ready to announce, <laughs> Yeah, which will involve us us having the time to figure out how to use Twitter. Um, That's right. But until then, we will talk to you.
1: We'll be on Twitter. We'll be on Twitter,
0: we'll be we'll on be. Twitter yeah. exactly. Find, find us there, there. Find us on the internet. Mm-hmm. Tell your friends. And don't forget to subscribe to What Can I Do Pod. That's right. Which is going to tell you what you can do. <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.